0: Alright, I want to jump right into the word this morning, and um, I thought I had finished this series a couple of weeks ago before Alex um, Kendrick was with us last week, but I felt even the week before he spoke that the Lord, there was something else that we needed to squeeze out of this little two-week series, so it turns into a three-week series, and it's, the, the series is called The Hope of the World, I have a title for the sermon this, this morning, But before I share that, I just want to remind you of the proposition um, that a biblical church where people are loved, his truth is proclaimed and his spirit is welcome is a place where life transformation happens and it will be like heaven on earth. How many of you have ever experienced a church family that made a real difference in your family? That should be more people than it is. But may you in this season experience that. Amen? That's God's will. That's God's will. That we would have a third space. There's a, um, a teaching in really just in pop culture. There's even a book that talks about our third space is what really defines who we are. Everybody has two spaces where we live sleep we spend most of our time there then where we spend the next amount of time is either where we work or where we're being educated and that third space really tells the story of our life what's the next most important thing in your life and I would say that as we understand scripture God wants it to be your spiritual family and so, you know me, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the local church, not just because it's my job, but it's my calling. And I see what the word teaches, that people need a good, anointed, authentic spiritual family. We endeavor to be one of those. A couple of weeks ago, I read this verse of scripture, and it will again this morning be our text, Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Living Translation says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. I just, I love that verse. I can't get enough of that verse. By faith, Noah built a large boat, an ark, to save his family from the flood. And look what it says. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. There's so much richness in that, the relationship we have with God, that before things happen, things that have never happened before, prophetically, he wants us to know. The Bible says he does nothing in the earth except he first reveal it to the prophets. And our relationship with him should have that level of intimacy that we are seldom ever, if ever, surprised. He prepares us. There's an intimacy and relationship that we can have with him. And um, it it teaches that, that Noah built an ark to save his family. He did it out of obedience. There's so much there for us. He built an ark to save his family. I teach a lot about the fact that God is all about family. The Bible is all about families. It starts with a family. It ends with a family. The Old Testament ends says that the hearts of the fathers will be turned back to the children. Children turned to the fathers. The New Testament opens up and we see the long lineage, 42 generations, of Jesus' ancestry. And there's some colorful characters in there. We see all through the New Testament God is still about family. Those that would lead in the church must lead their families well. Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer and he said it starts by saying, our Father. And family is very, very important. Families hold the church together, or the church holds the families together. And in the Old Testament, the ark is a picture of Jesus. And it's also a picture of the church, the New Testament church. Jesus is the only way to be saved from the loss of life in the flood or in the coming fire. We know that hell is a real place. Jesus talked about it. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. There was only one door to get into the ark, and that's a picture of Jesus. We see also that it's a picture of the church. And so I would say to you and me, it's important. The church is the body of Christ. It's important that we come together and build an ark Together, or we build a local expression of the body of Christ in order to save our families from the things that are coming that have never happened before. The Bible tells us all about family. Family is what sustains life on planet Earth. Family is what keeps societies together. When the family falls apart, the culture falls apart. And you don't need me to tell you, but if you're not aware of this, you need to pinch yourself real hard. The family is under incredible attack. In the natural, we're living in a real live nightmare in the natural. In fact, it's so bad that if the Lord were to call Noah in 2020 or 2022 to build an ark, It would go something like this. Once again, the earth has become wicked and overpopulated, and I see the end of all flash before me. Build another ark and save two of every living thing along with a few good humans. He gave Noah the blueprint saying, you have six months to build the ark before I will start the unending rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Six months later, the Lord looked down and saw Noah weeping in his yard, but there was no ark Noah, he roared, I'm about to start the rain. Where is the ark? Forgive me, Lord, begged Noah, but things have changed. I needed a building permit. I've been arguing with the inspector about the need for a sprinkler system. My neighbors claimed that I violated the neighborhood zoning laws by building the ark in my yard and exceeding the height limitations. We had to go to the development appeal board for a decision then the Department of Transportation demanded a bond be posted for the future cost of moving power lines and other overhead obstructions to clear the passage for the ark's move to the sea. I told them that the sea would be coming to us, but they would hear nothing of it. And then getting the wood was another problem. There's a ban on cutting trees in order to save the spotted owl. I tried to convince the tree huggers that I needed the wood to save the owls, but no go. When I started gathering the animals, an animals rights group sued me. They insisted that I was confining wild animals against their will. They argued the accommodations were too restrictive and it was cruel and inhumane to put so many animals in such a confined space. Then the EPA ruled that I couldn't build the ark until they'd conducted an environmental impact study on your proposed flood. I'm still trying to resolve a complaint with the Human Rights Commission on how many minorities I'm supposed to hire for my building crew. Immigration and naturalization are checking the residential status of most of the people who want to work for me. The trades union's Say, I can't use my sons. They insist I have to hire only union workers with ark building experience. To make matters worse, the tax office seized all my assets, claiming I'm trying to lead the country illegally with endangered species. So forgive me, Lord, but it would take at least 10 years for me to finish building the ark. Suddenly, the skies cleared. The sun began to shine. And a rainbow stretched across the sky. Noah looked up and wondered and asked, you mean you're not going to destroy the world? No, said the Lord. The government clearly beat me to it. <laughs> That's funny, except it's sad because it's too close to true, isn't it? It's, it's almost like we're living in a real nightmare in the natural It's unthinkable what's happening right now to the family and what is looking to be coming toward the church. But thank God that he has a plan. Thank God that we are not living in the natural. We are living in the supernatural. And God speaks and he tells us about what's to come and what we need to do as we face things that have never happened before. Hebrews tells us Noah obeyed God. He was warned about things that had never happened before, and he built a large boat to save his family. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to save your family when almost everyone else is losing theirs. How to save your family when almost everyone else is losing theirs. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, say something like this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. For I regret that I have made them, but Noah found favor. Some translations say grace in the eyes of the Lord. How many of you are thankful that you have found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. Everything was so wicked, God even began to regret that He had ever thought creating man in His own image was a good idea. Verses 9 and 11 of the same passage says Noah was a righteous man and he walked faithfully with God. He was a righteous man and walked faithfully with God. Verse 11 says, But the earth was corrupt and full of violence. The question for us this morning is, can a man or woman walk with God faithfully when a world, an entire world is corrupt and full of violence? And can those men and women who walk faithfully build something together that will save people when a lot of people are being lost. Same passage, same chapter, verse 13 says, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. Notice, God is speaking, telling him what to do, and now he gives him very specific instructions. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high, 450 feet long this boat would be, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. This was a word from God for a man to do something that was virtually impossible. That is a big boat. And you wonder, who all worked on that thing? Was there anybody working on that thing that didn't get to enjoy the ride on that thing? It's a big boat. God sometimes calls us to do things in the natural. They are simply impossible. But how many of you thank God we don't live in the natural only. We're not restricted or limited to our natural ability. Y'all acting like an 8.30 crowd instead of 9 o'clock crowd this morning. Some of y'all are in the natural, but I'm challenging everyone here. This isn't a cute little church service. This is 2022. In 1990, called and said, beware. You're living in a different world. And if you think that you can survive all this stuff in the natural, you're going to be gravely, literally, gravely disappointed. Thank God for the supernatural. Thank God that he speaks. Now, Pastor Chuck, we're just still stunned. How can we save our family when almost everybody else is losing theirs? Three things. The first thing is you've got to learn to hear the voice of God and obey it. Everybody in this room has to learn to hear the voice of God, and the Holy Spirit will help you obey it. How many of you know he is always speaking, always God is always up to something. He is always doing something. As the song says, even right now, in the midst of all that wickedness, all kinds of evil, when no one is looking to God for direction, he's still speaking. How? Redemptively. He's not just telling us stuff to have conversation. He's speaking about salvation. He's speaking about a way out of widespread corruption and immorality. In the midst of the wickedness, God speaks to Noah how to save things. And when God began to regret the fact that he had even created man, he was communicating to a man who had learned how to faithfully walk with him. God is omniscient. He knows all things. He knew what was coming and right now he knows what is coming. said it the third time. He tells Noah about something that had never happened before. It's important. And as a pastor, I think beyond salvation, one of the most important things for me to teach people who follow us spiritually is how to hear the voice of God because he's speaking to you. You may not have your transistor on, picking up his signal, but he's speaking. There's five or six ways that I've learned that God, I can learn to hear, listen to me, clearly the voice of God. The first is biblical direction. Having a Bible reading plan. I read the Daily Walk Bible. This is 25-ish years old. And a few years ago, I had to get it a read. Get it recovered. It's amazing to me how God can, you can be in Leviticus and God can speak to you. And for those of you who want to hear the voice of God, there is no, there's a reason this one's number one. Anybody found out the faithfulness that this thing is alive? It'll like jump up in your face and tell you something you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. Anybody out there this morning? The second thing is, You have to learn to, to have and trust that inward witness of having a desire to walk with him and learning and the Holy Spirit moves like in the Old Testament. They got an inward witness about when the cloud moved, they were to move. And God will give you an inward witness. He will usually confirm it. The third way is The inward voice, and there are many pictures in in Scripture in the New Testament. Philip in the desert, Peter on the household. There'll be an inner voice that will speak to you. And I could give you examples. Even in the last 24 hours, last night, God, speaking to me clearly about a situation going on in our family. There are, fourthly, he'll speak to you in dreams. He'll give you visions revelations in your daily reading he'll speak to you and you know, there'll be something that hadn't made sense to you for years and all of a sudden it slides into place you'll have a dream one night and forget you have it and two days later something will happen and you'll be like oh that dream I, anybody know what I'm talking about and it's not from too much pizza too late fifthly there's a prophetic word God will speak to you Prophetically, now everybody listen to me when I, when I share this. It's been my experience and most everybody else's experience that I know. When God speaks to me prophetically through someone, something, some situation, prophetically I receive a word. 99 times out of 100, it's always confirmational about something he's already put in my spirit. Let me give you an example. Um, I just spent three days in the Big Easy. and um, So I was in New Orleans with about 35 other pastors. And as I went down, you know, taking three days, it was really about four and a half, five days that I was out of pocket. And so Monday morning, I woke up and just, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I prepare myself? What would you have me to know as I'm going in to this week with Larry Stockstill, Pastors University. I was so anticipating a great week and, and the Lord put one word in my spirit on Monday morning and it was this word, core. That's all he said. And I began to ask, like, is there something wrong with my core? Is, are you going to change me at the core? And, and That was a good question to ask back, right? And it kind of put me on a sense of hunger and heightened awareness and anticipation. Got there Monday night late, Tuesday morning, things started. I was in my hotel, and again, I asked the Lord, like, Lord, how can I prepare? What would you have me to know? And the Lord said, I'm going to deal with the core, just clearly like that. Now, you know, you go that's just me, I haven't asked anybody, can you verify, does that bear witness with you? And then we're in session number two, Tuesday morning, and Larry Stockstill is talking about the pastor's personal prayer life. And then he asked a thing for questions, and I raised my hand, I just shared one thing, you know, you've heard me say this thing, I said, Pastor Larry, you know, the book of Acts, 28 chapters, 27 of them, about prayer, people on the way to prayer, on the way from prayer or in prayer. And I said, you know, what God's in our church right before COVID went to Brooklyn Tabernacle and, and he said, come here, Chuck. And in front of all the, he he stood up, he put his hand on me and he said, the Lord would say to you that you're going to be instrumental in forming a core for a prayer renewal in the city of Atlanta. And I, I said, I don't know how it's going to happen. That's not my job. My job is just to receive that because I have no clue. He had no idea. And that was a prophetic word that confirmed something God had already been speaking to me. And we need to be open to the prophetic. And I know the prophetic right now, it's never been more popular and it's never been more taboo. And there's never, you all know what I'm talking about, right? There's a lot of prophecy going on right now, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God speaks through the prophetic and he wants to speak to us like he did Noah because there's stuff happening we've never dealt with it before and he speaks. Um, Next after prophetic is he speaks through spiritual authority. Acts chapter 15 verse 28. Listen to this. The, The scripture says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, us right there being elders. Elders confirmed yet that yes, this is the word of the Lord. And I, I don't I, I say this not, I say this to put accountability in my life. If you have spiritual authority, if you go to a church where on regular occasion The pastor or the spiritual leaders speak profoundly spiritually into your life. You need that kind of church. If if the pastor doesn't have fresh manna, if he's not able to bring something out of the oven that smells like fresh bread, you need to run from that place. Because, y'all out there, Don't anybody run right now because that would break up my confidence of finishing this sermon. But I say this humbly. I say this understanding how God works. He's so committed to you that if my heart gets crooked, he will remove me because he loves you. And he loves you so much. Paul calls it the foolishness of preaching. I can have a a messed up, jacked up sermon that makes no sense. And God is, I hope that's not the case. But in that, if you have listening ears, God will speak to you as a sheep from your shepherd. And I recommend, and, and pastors aren't the only ones who have spiritual authority. There are elders, there are small group leaders. There's different channels that, that, of how God speaks to us. I feel the I feel a strong prick in my spirit that there's somebody here this morning, more than two or three people, that you've just aimlessly had ears to hear in an a la carte way. And the Lord is saying, you need to be a part of a flock. You need to have a shepherd, and you need to have one who regularly speaks in your life, and you trust that. And you pray for that person. That would be me for most of y'all in this circle, in this room. But how many of you know, it's that important that we go to a church where we hear, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the word of God, thus saith the Holy Spirit. This is more than me sharing conservative opinions or doctrine. This is, I become an oracle. This is the living word and God wants to speak to us. Are y'all out there this morning? Now, um, I got one more. And most of y'all are not going to like this one. God speaks to you through your mate. If you're a husband, you know, Pilate should have listened to his wife. If you are a wife, everybody listen. God wants husbands and wives to be able to navigate and move together. And sometimes one will slow the other one down, and that's okay. Doesn't mean a no, it just means... Not yet. Until we have peace, we don't want to move forward. How many of you thank God for your mate? How many of you thank God by faith for your mate? They're coming sometime soon in the next couple of days. Amen? <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen? And I speak that sincerely because we talk about family. We talk about saving your family. We talk about marriage. It's amazing. There are people here right now hearing my voice. Single, divorced, widowed, going, is he ever going to talk about, what do singles do? And my heart goes out to you. I was 28 years old when we were married. I was in ministry for four and a half years, and I didn't like it. I was ready to be married. And I just want to encourage you, don't let the enemy make you feel like a third wheel. You're not a third wheel here. and, And if you are longing for someone, there have been multiple, there are multiple couples in this church right now. They've met each other here in this church. Now, I'm not saying we're a dating service for everybody, you know, hook up and find their person. But I'd rather you find them here than Buckhead on Saturday night. <laughs> I wish somebody say amen. It's the truth. Come on, Amen. Now, things that, that's pretty simple. Biblical direction, inward witness, inward voice, dreams, visions, revelation, prophetic word. Y'all put that your mate in bold down there. I don't have it in bold on mine right here. <laughs> Tracy, Tracy Sharoon, that was for David, her husband. Amen. <laughs> now, what? How? How can I save my family when everybody else is losing, When almost everybody else is losing theirs? Learn to hear the voice of God. What what do I need to protect myself from? What keeps me from being able to hear the voice of God? There are a few things. Number one, typically, throughout Scripture, we see fear of man. Fear in general, but especially fear of man. What will they think? Will they agree? What will they do if I tell them I heard from God? Fear of man. Secondly, lack of prayer. It's amazing how many... Sharp people out here in the suburbs make a major decision without praying about it. Ask Joshua. In Joshua chapter 9, he should assault counsel from the Lord regarding the Gibeonites. In Joshua chapter 9, specifically verse 14. Thirdly, pressure to perform, to look good, to look professional, to look spiritually mature. 1 Samuel 13 verse 8. As Saul felt, the people are leaving me and they're going to David. He felt pressure to perform and he stepped up prematurely and it cost him his office. Fourthly, financial pressure. Financial pressure, oh my goodness, this is why you don't need to be in debt. This is why you need to have your finances in order. This is one of the number one things that keeps people from being able to hear the voice of the Lord. And next time pressure it's like we want it now we we ha- we have a timing issue and how many of you know God is a? he marinates he crock pots things and we got microwave prayers are y'all out there come on somebody and um we want it now and in our timing we get the word of the Lord but we want to operate on our timing and there's somebody right now it's coming your dream, what you're looking for, what you've longed for, the calling and purpose on your life is going to be fulfilled on his schedule. Next, and lastly, is the pride of position. The pride of position. Balaam became proud and stopped hearing the voice of God. And After he became proud and couldn't hear the voice of the Lord, God used a jackass to speak to him. Yes, I said that. And that's, that's a great picture of smart people full of themselves, the pride of life, and pride clogs our spiritual ears. Can I get a witness? How many of you are thankful the people on your row are all humble? We've got ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to the church. Now, listen, your ability to hear and follow the voice of God will determine the health and well-being of your family. Can you imagine the conversations that Noah and his family had on that boat? Even before they got on the boat, we think it was about 100 years of construction. He lived 350 years after the flood. Noah was a stud. I mean, his life had... It was just getting started at 500 years. How many of you claim that for your life? Amen? And, but the conversations, can you imagine the children? I can, because I have some. You know, Dad, why we want to, why you want to be that guy? Dad, are you sure? Dad, at school, the people, Dad, why? Why do you want to be that guy? Why do you want to take God literally? Why do you want to obey fanatically? And then when the rain started falling, how many of you, they were thankful Dad was that guy that took the word literally and stood on the word and obeyed the word. Are you all out there? Now, about adding... Um. I, w- I want you to begin to pray with me. There is a, an intense need that we have right now here in this church. Will we add an additional service? And if so, when? And I'm not presupposing I know the answer, but I'm asking you to not presuppose that you know the answer either. There would be some to go, yeah, let's add another service and not understand the toil it's going to take on everybody and there would be some that would say do not add another service we like it like it is and i would feel the holy spirit say to us can you shut the door on the ark when there are people coming to get on the ark is what we're experiencing a life-giving church a spiritual family that's making a difference in our lives if so Are you, Lord, asking us to make room for more people? And so how many of you will come into agreement and you'll pray with us? We got three. How many of you three will pray for the others that they'll pray with us too? You know, even right now, I want us to just, let's bring it before the Lord. Lord, as you've built this ark and you've called us, you said you are the body of Christ. Hand can't say to the arm, I don't need you. As you have built this church and you continue, Lord, we live in an area, there's three million people within 25 minutes of us. And so we just ask, Lord, for as your cloud moves, may we follow. We ask for wisdom and direction, and we don't presuppose our wants on you. We submit to you and your will. If you call us to do something that in the natural is impossible. You will give us grace to do it. Oh, yes, you will. If you call us to stay here in this spot, we'll stay right here in this spot. But we ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And I pray, Lord, that this would even be an illustration for all of us, a lesson on how to hear you speak in a season in our world where you've never done these kinds of things before. How many of you just come into agreement that God's going to speak clearly? He's going to confirm his word. He's going to lead us and he's going to guide us. Come on, if you love a God who is that personal, he interacts and he shares. We praise you, Lord. Now, that's how the first step that you need to save your family. You've got to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. The first thing says, Then God said to Noah, And then he obeyed. Now the second thing that you need to know to save your family is you've got to understand that what brings everyone else down can lift you up. What brings everybody else down can lift you up because you're living in the supernatural. You're covered in the protection in the ark of Christ. God sends things down in our lives. Sometimes he allows things to come down on us in our lives. And he uses those things to lift us up. The more the rain came down, the higher the ark went up. Genesis chapter 7, look what it says. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the waters. Verse 24, the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Imagine those conversations when that water started to fall and that ark started to rise. Imagine the spiritual experience for that family Imagine Noah for a hundred years. Imagine us in a pandemic. Imagine us in a COVID world. Imagine you. Imagine us. In some locations now, D.C. kids can't go to school unless they've been vaccinated and they're If they haven't been vaccinated and don't come to school, there's no extension for them to learn any longer. This isn't about the vaccine. How many are tired of talking about the vaccine? I'm tired of preaching about all this junk. But it's stuff that's never happened to us before. And when the rain started falling and the flood lifted up that ark, hear me, our faith is designed That when the world is falling apart, we should look up for our redemption draweth nigh. When everybody else is falling apart, we are to be the ones who have the answer because we know the answer. We are not to be the ones walking around in fear, insecurity, walking around afraid. We are the ones who are called by God to be his ambassadors in the earth. You've heard me say it. For two years, we were made for this. Our faith was made for this. And so, what are we seeing? I feel a little bit like Noah. I feel a little bit like Noah. We have been faithful to the Lord. And he has spoken clearly to us. And his cloud of glory has protected us. And as the waters have come up, he's lifted us up with no steering wheel on that ark, no rudder to steer it. They were at the, the whim of the wind. And here we sit. And I want you to embrace the personal challenge that all through Scripture, somebody hear me tonight, th- this morning. All through Scripture, our faith tells us, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. For we know that when we are weak, He is strong. We know that He is calling all these things to work together for our good. How many of you all out there right now just have a touch in you, like you—you just—you'd like to say Amen to what Pastor Chuck's saying, because you feel that same magnetic pull by His Spirit and your inner man going, "Yes, we were made for." We don't know what's going to happen. But we know who is sovereign, in charge, in control. We know he visits us when we gather on Sunday mornings. We know we lift our hands and lift our voices to him because he is worthy. He is trustworthy. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. And he will bring us home. Come on, if you're going to clap this morning, clap like you mean it. Come on. Sound victorious in here this morning. Glory to your name, Jesus. I love in Philippians chapter two, God often brings things down. Don't bring that up yet, please. He brings things down to bring people up. Earlier part of this chapter, he sent Jesus down. And because Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. He put Jesus in the tomb so that he could bring all of us up to resurrection life. This is what God does. The rain fell so the ark, the church, Jesus, could be lifted up. And when he's lifted up, he draws all men to him. This is, this is what happens all through scripture. And look right here, Philippians chapter 2. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. How many of you are thankful for that? It's God working in me to fulfill his purpose. Look at this picture. Do everything then without Grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure. Look at this. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How many of you would agree we live in a warped and crooked generation? Come on, t- testify to somebody. We, we live in that kind of day. We can't deny it. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. As you hold firmly to the word of life. in this crooked and per- corrupt generation, this, the perversity that's all around us, what brings some people down lifts other people up. And as we, do you see the picture? I, I don't want to even illustrate it. I want the word to illustrate it. As we hold firmly to the word, who's the word? Jesus. The ark. We got our piece of the ark. We will shine like stars in the universe. This is our moment. This is our time. May God use us in the darkness. May we be a church that is a city on a hill. May we be a church that is a light that shines into the darkness. Are y'all out there or is it just me excited about what God's doing? Now, thirdly and lastly, I want to share just this. Um, You may have guessed, I, I... I, haven't, I didn't get this sermon anywhere. I this isn't sermoncentral.com or you know, read a book for pastors to have three points for sundaymorning.com. This is in my prayer life with the Lord. And I see something here. I'm, I'm sure others have preached on it, but I've never heard it preached on. And we, we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, everybody listen, Paul talks about the things that happened in the Old Testament. And he says, don't ignore them. They are in verse 6, in verse 10, in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, he says, these things happened as examples to us, that we are to learn from the types and the shadows of the Old Testament. And there's something beautiful that we need to do. Oh, please hear me with listening ears. Something we must do in order to save our families when almost everyone else is losing theirs. Number three, look to Holy Spirit for direction on where and how to live. Um, Noah, what did he do? He sent out the dove. Now we know the dove from several places in the Old Testament and especially in the New Testament. Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And the dove is the picture of the New Testament. And what did Noah do? First, he sent him out to see, is there any place, hear me, is there any place where we can live that we can't see? But if you go before us, you can see it and we'll know then what to do. You know the dove went out the first time and came right back. And Noah was right there and received the dove back. Seven days later, he sent him out again. And the dove came back with an olive leaf, which is a whole other sermon, in his beak. And they realized there is a dry place now where we can live. And then seven days later, he sent him out again. And he didn't return. And so it was a word, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit, of a family caught up in a situation looking for the next step of where and how to live. And in this room right now, I just want to invite you in just a couple seconds to consider being freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about anything but just realizing in the last days we need to be oily. We need to be wet with Holy Spirit anointing. Are you all out there? Why do I say that? Well, let's, let's connect Jesus in the Old Testament, the ark, to Jesus in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Matthew 24, what did the disciples say? Everybody look here. They said, Jesus, how will we know when the end of all time is upon us. And, and he gives them all those verses and all those different pictures. And then he says this, near the end of chapter 24, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be at the return of the Son of Man. They were eating, drinking, marrying. They were just living their lives with no knowledge of what was to come. And that chapter closes, and the very next Verse, Jesus talks about a parable of the last days. What was that parable? He said there were ten virgins. Five were foolish, five were wise. They all ten had their lamps ready with oil. And they were prepared for the bridegroom. And then it says, but the bridegroom took a long time getting there. How many of you know howdy, amen to that? Yeah, Jesus, come on, even so please come on and but there's a there's great truth in that and he said the bridegroom came at midnight and they woke up they were drowsy and sleepy it said and that's a picture of the church in the last days and five of them had brought extra oil five did not and you know the story the five with the extra oil had plenty of oil To go out and meet the bridegroom. They were prepared for his return. But the five foolish were not. And that is a picture of the church that keeps the Holy Spirit at a distance. That keeps, that's comfortable with just what they need for right now. Not prepared to live life when things that had never happened before start happening. Like the soon return of Jesus Christ. Now, right now is the point in the sermon. I'm trying to bring this to a close. But Everybody look. I, all of a sudden, I, I, I feel great sense of responsibility coming up on me. And, and I could be a typical North American pastor and say, all right, isn't that cute? Now, let's go have ears to hear and realize when things bring some people down, we're going up. And we're going to be open to the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I can't get past the fact that Jesus in the word just tells us as it was in the days of Noah it will be when I return can we just ignore that or just run right past it we can't in fact there's probably people here this morning I'm gonna, i want to i want to speak to two people and i want i want to ask everybody in just a second to stand if you're here this morning and you go man I I don't know if I'm in the ark. I'm not talking about being in the church. I I don't know if I'm going to be protected from the flood or what's to come. And listen, you're you're here today. That's awesome. And God is here today. And he's speaking to you. And now is a time without hesitation for you to go, to to lift your hand heavenward and say, I want to go. I want to get in the ark. I want to make Jesus Christ my Savior. If that's you here today, in just a second, I'm going to let you do that. And then the rest of you, how are we going to save our... I'm talking to somebody on the top row. I'm talking to somebody in the back, under the balcony. I'm talking to all of us. I'm talking to my wife and me. How are we going to save our families when almost everybody else is losing theirs? We're going to hear the voice of the Lord. We're going to realize in our weakness, he is strong. We're going to count it all joy, no matter what's coming. And we're going to keep oil for our lamps. Are y'all out there? Would you stand with me? Praise your name, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Everybody look here. Can Can you pull up those last couple of verses in Psalm 92? Receive this, brothers and sisters. Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. Flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will will stay fresh and green. This cedar of Lebanon is a picture of us. The commentaries I've read for many years say that in Lebanon today, there are some cedar trees that are 2,000 years old. I've read those stories, and um, quite honestly, I have doubted. I've, I've been like, I don't know any tree that can live two years, t- 2,000 years And um, I was in New Orleans, and guess who was at my table? A pastor of the Abundant Life Spirit-Filled Church in Beirut. And... Biggest church in Lebanon, spirit-filled. And so I asked him, I can't, I barely pronounce his name. We called him Chadi. And I said, Chadi, are there really cedar trees in Lebanon that are 2,000 years old? And he acted like I had asked the question that he was wanting to answer. And he goes, oh, some are more than 5,000 years old. And he said this. From the north of Lebanon to the south is about 160 miles. And he said, the trees are in the north and the valley some 50 or 60 miles away has the roots of those trees in the mountains. He says, we believe God himself planted some of those cedar trees. Can you imagine? And he says, the saying is, The mountains are not holding the trees. The trees are holding the mountains. And so this morning, is the nation, does the nation have churches or does the church have the nation? Are we rooted, bearing fruit in our young age and in our old age? Are we planted to flourish? Are y'all out there this morning? Anybody picking up what I'm putting down the first time I've said it all day long? Aren't you proud of me? <laughs> so, if you're here this morning, I, just, I wanna quickly give anybody a chance. And you're going, Pastor Chuck, I'm here. God's here, he's calling you. I wanna ask you, would you write it right now, without hesitation, If you'd say, I want to get in the ark, I want to be assured of my salvation, if that's you here right now in the name of Jesus, would you lift your hand? Just lift it heavenward in the name of Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Three hands, four, five, hallelujah, six, seven, eight, hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody else? Nine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we just give God praise for what he's doing? Glory to your name, Jesus. Now, everybody in the room, repeat this with me. Say it out loudly, like it's your prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you, and I want you. Take my life. I surrender. Forgive me my sins. Change me. Transform me. Use me. I want you to be my Savior. And my Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you said that prayer with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you are saved in the name of Jesus we pray. And you need to get plugged in so you can grow as a disciple and you can begin to flourish. Now, the rest of you this morning, how many of you would say, I want to save my family? I I want to be prepared for the bridegroom. I want to know in relationship, I want to have ears to hear what's coming. Things that have never happened before. When the world's falling apart, I want him to keep putting us together. And I want more Holy Spirit in me, my marriage, my family, my home, my children. Come on, raise your hands in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you really mean that, I want you to just take both hands just as a sign of, Lord, pick me up. Fill me with your spirit. We surrender, we take our hands off the wheel. Lord, you see our hearts. We praise you, we exalt you, Jesus. We ask for your Holy Spirit to consume us, Lord. May we have oil in our lamps and may we have extra oil forever how long we have to wait for you. Let us lean into you, Holy Spirit, like Noah did. Show us the place, show us how, show us where, Tell us when. Keep us full of your spirit, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. Would you just say this with me? Say, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Say it again. Holy Holy Spirit, come and fill me. To overflowing. Use me. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled, Jesus said. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. Fill us, lead us, guide us in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Before I let you go this morning, I saw late last night, there's 167 signed up to go on the youth camp this coming weekend, and um, we're excited about that, amen. If you have children in 7th grade through 12th grade, you've got to make sure they go to this weekend it's going to be an encounter it's not just going to be a fun they're going to have fun lots of it they're going to come back tired straight a students too by faith amen but i want you to go online the registration is open until midnight tonight so i want to see i'm believing god for 150 kids there's like 30 workers or 15 or 20 Short of 150 kids, it's going to be an encounter and the kids are going to come back changed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So now, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, may he be gracious unto you, may he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Come on, say it. I receive it in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. We love you.